name and in the spirit of Jesus Christ, our one common Lord. This morning, Mark is continuing to recover. Dave is away on vacation. So we've had the privilege of having Ben. Well, there he goes. Help us lead in worship. I hope he's a familiar face to some of you all. He's been a Divinity School intern for the last couple of years during this wacky COVID season. And this will be his last morning assisting with us before he goes on to his next call in Indianapolis. Uh, so if you see him, uh, send him off with a blessing. And remember that this is a season of comings and goings in our life together. Uh, so lift up your head and pay attention to who might be going and also who might be coming, who might be down the pew from you that you don't recognize. Please uh, say hello. This morning we're beginning a new series, a summer series on the Psalms. And our text this morning will be Psalm 1. Someone want to call out what page that's on in our pew Bible? I couldn't understand that. 536. Let's listen again to the word of the Lord. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on God's law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in due season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to ask you a question. Who are you talking to these days? Who are you talking to and how are you communicating? Are you up late at night talking to roommates, maybe a spouse? Do you wake up early and write your own reflections in a journal? Are you composing 280 character tweets in your mind even when you're not following on your phone? Are you handwriting cards or letters to a friend? Maybe uh, nonstop texting, blowing up the chat on a video game while you play with your friends online. A few of you out there are still at the age where you have to raise your hand to speak in class and that when you're with your friends, you do more running than talking. Do you do your most honest talk when you sit down in the office of a counselor or a therapist? Or maybe when you're just muttering to yourself? Who are you talking to? And how? How are you talking? Humans are language animals. We are made 
to be in conversation. The Bible says that God brought the world into being with what? A word. And that God continued to speak. In the beginning was the word, as we read earlier from the Gospel of John, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. God spoke to Abraham, and God spoke through Jesus Christ. And God still speaks. Are we talking back? Have we stopped talking to God and to one another? Talking to God, that response is what we call prayer. Listen to this. Nothing of what you do, think, love, hate, suffer, enjoy, hope, fear, dread, desire, nothing is unworthy of God. There is nothing that you cannot convert into prayer. There is one rule, one method, one secret, one simple and infallible way to achieve this. Just say it to God. Those are the reflections of Luigi Gioia, a Benedictine monk who for 25 years prayed eight times a day, who's a theologian who has all the theological depth and resources at his fingertips, and it takes him back to something that seems, well, so simple and so painfully obvious. He says, if you want to talk to God, if you want to respond, just say it to God. But I don't know about you. The truth is, sometimes it's hard to know where to begin. Jesus' closest companions asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Perhaps in our moments of extreme crisis and great awe, like when we see a redwood tree, perhaps in some of those moments we may reflexively look outside ourselves and address some God, known or unknown to us. But to persist in prayer... To convert everything into prayer, well, that's something that takes practice. To go from cold silence to intimacy, from intermittent acknowledgement of a distant deity to ongoing conversation with our Heavenly Father, we need help, don't we? And in our Bibles, we have a book to help us, to help us pray, the Psalms. If you put your thumb in the center of a Bible and open it, you will find your way to the book of the Psalms. And what you will find there are 150 poems or songs. And these Psalms vary in many ways. They vary in length. The shortest Psalm is two verses, and the longest Psalm is 176 verses. They vary in tone. Some psalms extol God's glory, and others lament God's absence. The psalms vary in form. Some psalms speak for the community. Let us praise the Lord. Why do you ignore our sufferings? Other psalms are written in the voice of an individual. My mouth will declare your praise, O Lord. Why do you hide your face from me? The poems even vary in topic. Some psalms recount the history of Israel or the troubles of an individual. Some are oriented towards creation or even towards the king. 
and we'll take up some of these very different sounding psalms this summer, but all 150 psalms have one thing in common. They're addressed to God. The psalms are the record of Israel speaking back to the God who has spoken to them. They are Israel's answer recorded for us. Some of the psalms were probably composed for worship in the temple. It's like we have the transcript of Ben's confession or Wynn's song of response taped in our Bible. Other psalms may have originated as an individual's devotional poetry. Over time, these different hymns and poems were collected and arranged into one long book that's made up of five smaller chapters or books. And it's like a liturgical companion to the five books of Moses, a worship guide to go along with what the Jewish people call the Pentateuch. The Psalms were Israel's prayer book. Now, at Black Knoll, we don't make use of a formal prayer book in our life together. I know that some of you come from traditions that do, and I know that some of us use written prayers in our own devotional life, and we even use them to prepare for worship on Sundays. But we don't necessarily read from a book of prayer when we gather. And yet, even groups that don't have a formal book of prayer learn to pray in some way, don't they? Think about any small group that you've been a part of, and I hope you've been a part of a small group that prays together. Or any time that you've heard someone pray out loud, you get the distinct impression that they learned to pray from someone, somewhere, don't you? Somebody taught them to say, Almighty God or to pray in Jesus' name, to ask for traveling mercies, to say thank you for this day, or to pray for the best possible outcome. The truth is that just like in any conversation, sometimes we, we need help. We need words to break the ice. And God in his mercy has given us those words in the Psalms. The Psalms are like a script that we can use in prayer and then improvise on. The Psalms are like an auto-composed feature in dialogue with God. The cursor jumps ahead of where we might be willing to go and says, yes, put into words your grief to God. Put into words your joy here. The Psalms teach us the language of intimacy and praise. And Psalm 1 begins with a promise for those who would take up this wonderful but admittedly strange work of talking to God. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. That is, blessed is the one whose habits are not formed by what is bad, but by what is good. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. It's not just ten commandments, but the words of the Lord. And on this law she meditates day and night. Now when you think of one who is meditating hard on the law of the Lord, you might, well, you might narrowly imagine a student of the Torah memorizing the books of Moses. 
You might imagine a monk rising up early and staying up late to copy manuscripts or a doctoral student diligently engaged in a textual study, but that's too narrow of a vision for what this psalm is calling us to. What follows in the next 149 psalms, what this poem introduces is not a dispassionate study of the law of the Lord, but a dialogue with God, a dialogue with God on God's ways as lived and experienced by those ordinary believers who are trying to follow him. Psalm 1 issues an invitation to us, to anyone and to everyone, to be constantly murmuring to God to be in ongoing conversation with the one who has given us his word. Those who take up this work will be like that tree planted by streams of water, that tree that yields its fruit in due season. This life of prayer will lead to a life of substance, of rootedness, and fruitfulness though not necessarily one of ease, as the prayers which follow make clear. But be warned, the psalmist tells us, there are many distractions. We can be carried away by the chatter of the wicked until we are but, well, a husk in the breeze, like the skin of my coffee beans burned off in the roaster and swept into the bin. Listen, talk to me like a desperate parent, the Lord pleads. Who are you talking to? And are you yet convinced that God wants to talk to us? God spoke when God could have been silent. God sent a word in the flesh. Then God gave us the words of the Psalms. And Jesus himself prayed them. Jesus prays for us now. And Jesus prays with us by his spirit. And as we take up the invitation of Psalm 1, we pray with him. Our family has a habit of singing the doxology as our mealtime blessing. And one of my children, if you know them, you can probably guess who, has the habit of being silent. And after we finish, he invariably smirks and says with a twinkle in his eye, I don't know how. It starts early, doesn't it? This intimidation, this feeling that I can't pray. And I'm not really sure what my son means beyond the fact that he wants my attention. He's got the words. He has plenty of opportunity. And I'm confident that when he's ready, he'll join in with his sister and brother. When we pray the Psalms, we are doing just that. We are joining in with our brother Jesus. And we are beginning to pray like him. We begin to say things to God that perhaps on our own we would never dare utter. Things like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we pray the Psalms, we address God not as this distant stranger, this almighty God out there, but like a heavenly father. 
Who taught you to pray? Who are you praying with? And what keeps you from talking to God? What would it look like for us to heed the exhortation of Psalm 1 this summer? What would it look like to be a person seriously committed to the lifelong task of learning to listen to God and to speak to God? What would it mean for us as a people, as a congregation, to be marked by that same commitment? I will confess that even as I have known some real delight in prayer, as often as not, my attitude can also be, oh, I just want to be left alone. But the greatest gift to me is that I have many invitations to talk to God built into my life, many opportunities to pray. How can we make it so? How can you make it so in your life? How can we make it so in our life together that we have many invitations to turn and talk to God? We've kicked around this idea, a couple of us have, of being present in the sanctuary at 12 o'clock and praying for maybe half an hour and putting out a sign on the sidewalk that lets the neighborhood know, uh, prayer available, join us. Because, well, God speaks. And God speaks to us, but not just to us. How can we make those invitations available to, well, the world around us? Psychologist Sherry Turkle says there's been a flight from conversation in our digital age. She writes in her 2015 book, Reclaiming Conversation, that we use technology to hide from each other, even though we are constantly connected to each other. We are not immune from the issues of the digital age in our life together, are we? Those issues of the world come in to worship with us, don't they? And yet, prayer in its truest form is not just a pious exercise or a self-improvement project. It's a step back from the world to make room for the world. It's an opportunity to listen to God so that we can love the world as God loves it. Prayer is the place where we risk conversation with God so that we can learn to be present to one another as well. Friends, we the church, we've been given this particular gift, this primitive technology to loosen the dehumanizing grip of unchecked digital power. We've been given this gift of prayer. Let's try it. It might help us learn not only to talk to God, but to talk to one another as well. Let's pray together. Lord, we can't hear you. Your voice doesn't come in over the microphone. 
and yet we trust. We believe that you continue to speak by the power of your Holy Spirit, through the words of Scripture, through the voice of one another. Increase our faith, O Lord. Help us to hear your voice. And by your Holy Spirit, teach us to respond. Such a thing is only imaginable to us, God, because of the great mercy you have shown us in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray together. Amen. Friends, please rise.